0: What up? Welcome to a podcast with Mo. I am Mo. This is episode 281. On this episode, I'm joined by Coopy. We talk about the Patreon, merch shop, books, TV shows, a bunch of books. I think there's like 12 or 13 of them and a bunch of TV shows. Uh, So thanks for checking us out. What up? We're joined by Koopy.
1: Hi. Uh
0: back what feels like uh forever and a half.
1: It's been a long time and I'm kind of nervous.
0: Yeah, you shouldn't be nervous. I feel a
1: little rusty.
0: You feel like I kicked you off.
1: Well, I just asked like a month ago if I should come back on and you were like, no, I'm going to wait a while. And so I was just a little surprised because normally it was pretty regular. Right. But I'm OK with it. I do have a lot of um, things going on. So it gives me some extra time.
0: <laughs> well, um, there were two reasons. One, you weren't reading a lot of books. And then now you are. And then we yeah. got way too many.
1: It's way too many. And
0: then uh, I did someone else's podcast, and they did my podcast, and we released it on the first Wednesday of the new month when you normally would. So it just worked out to where I was like, oh, well, we'll give you another month off. Yeah. So, um, but after you got so angry, I'll try to remember to keep you more.
1: I wouldn't say angry <laughs> is the word. It was just a little um, shook, maybe. Oh, no,
0: let's see. Well. Um,
1: I, was, I thought I was an integral part of the podcast, but I can I see now I'm just not.
0: You're that no snappy. I, that, that's <laughs> true. I'm
1: not a regular, so I'm. It's easy to forget about me.
0: Uh, but we're glad to have you back.
1: And not everyone cares about books.
0: It's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> I have read a book. There's my
1: yes. sneak peek. Yeah, um,
0: I forgot about that until just this moment. <laughs> uh, all right, so we have a Patreon, which is at patreon.com/slash a podcast mo. You can go there and give a dollar more a month, get early access to all these episodes and feel real cool. You can be on the internet quoting it and people be like, what's that from? And you're like, shit, you wish you knew. But only us seven people know that are patrons. Um, And five of those people are co-producers, which is my mother, Hurricane Haynes, Marshall the Dharma Initiative Bear, It's Your Boy H2.com, and Jackie Daytona.
1: All right, Uh, there's some new ones since I've been...
0: Yeah, Gone. see we've been taking off over here. <laughs> um and yeah, so y'all y'all look look out for that. And um let's have a merch shop at shop dot com. You can go there and get a t shirt. Um I need to make more merch. I say it all the time. I just I'm not creative enough for that. I don't I can't draw on a computer and so therefore any merch ideas I have will just never happen. So um
1: get I think the ones we that could figure it out. If yeah. you, but you just have a lot of projects. For so. sure.
0: Nothing nothing too cool. I, I just don't see me making anything too cool um, unless I really focused and try to, try to do it. I need you to get good on your iPad drawing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, me too. I would like that.
0: <laughs> well, work on it. Um, all right. So for people that don't know, because it's been a while, if we have any new listeners, probably don't. Um, you come on and talk about the books you've read and since the last time you came on, more or less. Is, uh yeah what you do. And then we talk about some TV shows at the end um, because we also watch a lot of TV. Mm -hmm. Um, So how many books do you have to go over?
1: Um, Like 12, but I think you should start.
0: Oh yeah. So uh, my favorite book of all time is this game as a book called ready player one, which is about virtual reality future. That's like taken over the world and where everyone loves it, but it's like set now because when the guy wrote it, it wasn't now, you know, so it's a little off there. Um, a movie came out that's fucking horrible. Some people like it. But if you've read the book, you're like, no, no, no. It's not even that. like, well, they left out a few scenes. Like they just changed it like a whole bunch of yeah. shit about it. And um, so anyway, the first book I'm a big, big fan of. It was like the fastest I ever read a book. So that probably affected me going into this one because I was like so hopped up. I'm like, oh my God, it has a sequel. And uh, I read the first half fairly quickly and then once I saw what the whole, like, hook was, you know, it took like half of the book, to realize like, oh, OK, because in the first book, you realize like there's this Easter egg hunt and it's it's very easy to understand what's going on. And um, the second one, you're like, what? But what's the gimmick? What's the thing they're going to do? And when it finally there, I was like, oh, that's kind of sucks. And I just kind of quit reading. And then I finally finished it, uh, you know, got all back into it. And I actually think the end, I think, was pretty good, actually. Like, I liked the part I read at the end more than I thought I would. Right. And I didn't like the beginning probably as much
1: that's kind of rare usually people um if they don't like a book you know they give up on it and then they never find out that they would have really liked it if they stuck with it
0: well uh in the first book you know you have to say the name of the book uh yeah i think i said ready player one well i said ready player was the first this is called ready player two it's the sequel to ready player one i probably didn't and um the first one, you know, you're like involved in the plot of like he's got to get the money and you know whatever is, his whole goal is. And this one, you're just guessing for like, but what do they do it like? And they're just talking about shit that doesn't matter. And there's like a spaceship. And you're like, are they going to space? And then it's like, ah, nah, no, we're gonna, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was like a lot of red herrings and shit. And so it just, I don't know, it wasn't, didn't grasp me like that. And then his like love interest in the first one that you're like, kind of, you know, you're like, oh, I hope that works out. And now it's like she's mad at me, and then it's just how it is. The whole like, I don't know, it's just nothing about it was as fun. So, um, it did make me be like, I need to get back into reading. My problem is the books I want to read the types and then the books I own currently aren't exactly on up. but I need to get to the ones I own. Cause I'll feel wasteful if I don't. And then maybe I just want to get into like some biographies well, if you're
1: a mood reader, then you're never going to get to the ones that you own.
0: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I really want to read the thunder one, the sonic boom. Yeah. I feel like I could get to that one. I want to read the Book of Basketball. I've had it on it's the little side. Sick. But it's so long. Uh, but I think if I started reading it, I like Bill Simmons enough that I'll be like... I see
1: it as more of a reference material.
0: Right. So well, we'll see what happens with that one. We didn't even factor that into this bookcase.
1: No, it's been by the chair forever in the living room.
0: Didn't about it. Um. So anyway, that's my book catch-up. My one book in a year or well, more.
1: I'm proud of you for finishing it. You have had it since... I don't know. Not even a full know. year.
0: Not a full year. I got it at Christmas. I
1: got it at Christmas. So yeah, that's good that you read it. Um, but yeah, you need to choose your next one.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> now that I've I'm getting through some video <laughs> and maybe games. Maybe
1: buy one if nothing speaks to you right now.
0: We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um all right, so what's the first one we're going oh over? Oh my
1: gosh. I have so many that I read. It's been like since April that I was on. So there are about 12 books. And the first one. It is called Pachico by Min Jin Lee. And this is a epic novel that covers four generations of a poor, proud immigrant family as they fight to control their destinies while exiled from their homeland. And it's set in the early 1900s and it follows um, Korea, a Korean family. Um, the main character that we open up with is a teenage girl. Her name is... Soon Soonja and she is the daughter of like a crippled fisherman and she falls for this wealthy merchant who they just kind of have um, sex on the beach one day, you know, like and he's got a whole family in another country, but he comes through, you know, once a month or something like that. He like travels a lot. And they have this relationship and she ends up pregnant outside of marriage, you know. But she refuses to just allow him to be her sugar daddy. She wants someone to marry. Like, I don't know. She just considers that she doesn't want a man with another family. So she's weird ends up marrying this um, Christian guy who comes through one day and he like, Prays about it and he believes that God uh, told him that you know this would be like a good thing to do a Christian thing to do to marry her and give her a life and so together they start this life and it takes off from there these four generations of their um you know children and grandchildren and stuff but It's really good. It's an epic. It's won a lot of awards. Um, It's going to be turned into an Apple TV series, I think, coming out next year. Right. So if you have Apple TV.
0: One of the few things we don't have. So Yeah, we don't
1: have that. And I'm kind of disappointed. I'm sure someday I'll get to see the show. It'll come to something. But um, it's a really big deal. It's been around for a few years now. And I'm glad I finally got to it. I felt like I learned a lot. It's a historical fiction. So you learn a lot of history in it. And- I'm curious
0: if it has any relation to um, pachinko machines are. Yes. Are yeah. Like uh, gambling.
1: Right. So like within the storyline, one of the ch- children in the like uh, you learn that the man that she's been having this relationship is also he's like a he owns pachinkos. I see. And you find out that it kind of has like this really negative stigma attached to it. And pachinko money is kind of like dirty money. And so in the end, some of her children are like ashamed of it, but you learn a lot between the history between Korea and Japan. And at one point in the story, her children quit saying they're Korean and they adopt the identity of Japanese. And, um, So that's also a big storyline in it. So, yeah, there's a lot of cultural stuff mixed in that I didn't know a whole lot about, like Pachinko and just.
0: Only know because of video games.
1: But Um, Yes, that is a big part of this of the book. But, yeah, that was the first one I read. It's thick. Um, There are a couple of books that are on my list that I don't actually have with me because they belong to other people or I lent them out. So let's see if make sure I'm not forgetting one real quick. So, the next book, uh, What Comes After, is by Joanne Tompkins. This one was a fun, I mean, it's actually a sad book, but it was a good surprise. I hadn't, didn't know anything about it. It was a book of the month's option, which is a monthly subscription to a um, book box where you get to choose. They have five featured books and sometimes a couple of extra add-ons and you get to choose three books a month. And this was one of the options um, a couple months back. So it wasn't anything I knew I had ever heard about. Um, But it follows like three main characters um, in this story. Two boys have recently died. One was murdered and one committed suicide. And so you learn through their parent, you're following their parents' perspectives. And um, you learn that, you know, there was also this girl mixed in who is pregnant. And it's a story of healing. It's a story of found families. Like they've obviously lost significant members of their family, but they all come together to create this new unit. Um, But an interesting thing about this book, I learned a lot about the Quaker faith. I never really knew much about the Quakers, but the main character. All knows
0: about the Oats.
1: (laughs) Well, they're very passive. They don't like a lot of conflict. Um, And there's a lot of, I guess, group therapy. And so, um, what one of the main characters, a lot of this is him going to this, these Quaker therapy sessions with his Quaker family, and they help him work through the trauma of his son's death. And um, then there's also kind of like, um, you know, he's curious if the girl that the mysterious girl that emerged from the woods who's pregnant, if she's pregnant with who could be, you know, his grandson. Um, So there's a lot of layers to it. But I really liked it. It has obviously a sad focus on the death of the boys, but it kind of leaves you feeling hopeful at the end. Right on. Yeah. So that was interesting. Again, that was What Comes After by Joanne Tompkins. Uh, The next book was one I don't have with me. Um, It's called The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna. And Kristen Hanna is a big deal. Some of you might have heard of the Netflix show Firefly Lane. That's based on one of her books. Um, and I've read another book of hers called The Nightingale, which is one of my all time favorites. It's a World War Two novel. I talked about it probably a year or two ago if I was doing it then. Yeah, bet you were. But so this is a repeat author for me. I really enjoyed The Great Alone. It follows. It's set like I think in the 70s. There's some things I forget because some of these books have been a while since I read. Um, but I believe it's set in the 70s. And it's this story of the the small family, a husband and wife and their daughter. And the husband has post-traumatic stress after the Korean War. I want to say. I don't, after some type of war from that time period. I don't really know. I forget the finer details. But he comes back with severe PTSD and he wants to get the family off the grid and they move to Alaska and they end up learning how to survive on the frontier. Uh but it's not easy. Obviously there's um a lot of darkness, a lot of hardships, you know, just with the climate. Right. And the father is struggling with his PTSD. Um he also really hates the, anybody who's wealthy. And so he goes at it with some of the leaders in the community um, who are trying to maybe turn it into a tourist attraction. So it has like a lot of tension between the father with his family. Cause he's also abusive. It has a lot of toxic relationships stuff in there. Um, but then there's also the daughter's story. It's mainly her story. And she falls in love with a rich man's son and he can't stand It's kind of like their conflict. Right. So it's um, got a lot of twists and turns that you don't expect. It's a tearjerker and not my favorite Kristen Hanna of the three that I have read. I'd probably put it at the bottom, but a lot of people like it a lot. It'll probably be a
0: movie or something. Sounds like it.
1: Okay. So moving right along. The next one I also don't have with me because I lent it out. It's called Daisy Jones and the Six. I can't remember the author
0: that's Taylor, a pretty uh,
1: uh,
0: unique name someone want to look it up, you know
1: yeah, it's Taylor Jenkins Reed, I want to say is the author anyway, she's written a lot of big books um. And it's a story of also set in like the 60s or 70s. It's a rock and roll story. And the layout of the book is different. It starts off as like an interview. Um, there's someone interviewing the band. And so different band members have different chapters. And it's written like a script instead of just in traditional narrative form. Um, or prose. But. It was good. I thought she did a good job with the alternating the different characters' perspectives and giving them very distinct personalities, but it follows the band and their star, Daisy Jones, and she's kind of just this uh, hippie You get a lot of, like, almost famous vibes.
0: Yeah, it's what it reminded me of when you're um, scrabbing it.
1: Yeah, so if you like that type of thing it was a good book also it's almost
0: famous a book before his movie
1: no i think it was just a movie i should know if it is a book i'm not aware of it i think it was just a movie um but it reminded me a lot of almost famous not as good honestly
0: yeah almost famous is great
1: um so yeah that one is probably going to be a movie someday too it's really popular people love it i thought it honestly i didn't like it as much as I thought I would.
0: That was something reminded me in Ready Player Two. There's this big thing where Prince becomes a big deal. And they start talking about all that era of music that I'm really unfamiliar with. And it led to me having to fucking Spotify search for all these yeah. bands. Be like, listen to them. And now I keep thinking of, fuck, what was the other band? I've already forgotten it. The The Time, I believe, is the name of the band. And it's like been time. stuck in my head because I listened to it that day. And I'm like, man, that fucking book made me search for this shit. Anyway.
1: Uh, let's see. where did I leave off. Oh, okay. So on the come up, I do have a copy of this. Um, it's by Angie Thomas, and she wrote The Hate You Give. Did
0: she go the same person to uh, do all of her art? I think so. Because, like, you can tell all of her books. Yes, in the they artwork. all match. Yeah. They
1: all look really good together. She So she wrote The Hate You Give, Concrete Rose, and On the Come Up. And she's already working on another book now, so she'll have another one in the future, I'm sure I'll read. But On the Come Up is about a young girl who wants to be um, a hip-hop star. She she is um, the daughter of, her name is Bree. She is the daughter of a former hip-hop legend. Who, like died before his time so she's kind of living in his shadow sort of situation uh, wants to make him proud but also gets compared you know called like the princess a lot um, and so it opens up with her at like a open mic night and she kills it she does really well and um, a lot of people are uh, you know rooting for her but she ends up um, getting in trouble at school And a cop, a school uh, security guard, ends up throwing her on the ground over what they thought was drugs, but it was just candy in her bag. Um, And so she gets really angry and she writes this song about how, you know, if people believe that she is a thug, she'll just become a thug but she doesn't really mean it literally. She's just, you know, using her poetry to express her anger and frustration in this moment. And the song is really good and popular, but she slowly comes to realize that that's not necessarily what she wants to portray. So it's all about using your voice and finding your voice um, and standing up for what you believe in, but also not compromising your character. So it was really good. I think you know, young teens would really like it. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. I think the Hate You Give and Concrete Rose are both better. Um, but since I know a lot of teenagers love music, I think they could relate to this idea of wanting to be right involved in the music industry and stuff because that is a um, a passion a lot of people have. Sure. So yeah, high interest level for teenagers, I would say.
0: And what's the next one?
1: Okay, I think we're halfway through. Yeah, well,
0: it will be. I think. After
1: <laughs> okay. Um, Atomic Love by Ginny Fields.
0: That's a cool cover.
1: It's a. It's set in the fifties and forties. It kind of goes back and forth. It jumps back and forth between some different time lines, um, but the main character is a. Woman, I forget her name off the top of my head, but she worked on the Manhattan Project in the uh, during World War II. and during that time, she falls in love with a coworker, a scientist, and it turns out to be a very bad breakup. In the end, um, she didn't know that they were going to use atomic technology for weapons her goal was to use it for more of like energy and
0: like we all should today but we don't because we all think of weapons
1: and so um she was very upset when it turned out to be used um as a weapon and it ultimately they they break up because he supposedly was fully aware of everything you know right well then it jumps to the 50s and she's just you know she lost her job they broke up and she's slowly put the pieces of her life back together, but she just works as like a um a shop girl selling jewelry. And one day she gets approached by a secret detect, like an FBI agent who wants her to get in contact with her ex and um, see if she can get any information that might connect him to communism and passing secrets to Russia during that time. And she does. She ultimately agrees to do that. And so she has these conflicting feelings throughout, you know, rekindling this relationship with someone that she truly did love. And now all of a sudden he's saying that there was more to it than she knows and that he didn't really mean to break her heart and all this stuff. So it's just kind of uncovering what really happened back then. And um, how is it going to resolve itself in the end? This is an example of a book that I really liked at the beginning, but I felt like it was kind of silly towards the end. It just didn't come together quite right right at the end. There were a lot of complex storylines that I think just quickly resolved themselves without really.
0: Earning it. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. So, a lot of people have not been talking about this book, and I think I kind of see why. Um, It was okay, but could have been better. Right. Okay. Another Kristen Hanna book. This one is called The Four Winds. This one's, out of the three I've read, this one's probably my second favorite. Um, The Four Winds is set in the 1930s. It opens up in Texas, and the main character is a woman named Elsa, who... I don't really like her character in the beginning. I think that's the point. You're not supposed to. But she is very um, insecure about her beauty. And she's just looking for love. And she gives it away too quickly, you know, some might say. And she ends up pregnant and married to a man who doesn't really love her. But they have a few children together. And then the Dust Bowl hits. And he's unhappy and leaves them. And now she's got to survive on her own with these two children. And she decides to move the family out to California. So it has a lot of Grapes of Wrath vibes. Um, There is a character in the story later on that's a guy who's her love interest, I guess you could say. Um, And he is a communist. And he is very mad about how... um, There are people who are profiting off of the Dust Bowl and Great Depression off of the farmer. You know, the the workers who were still out in the fields, um, barely getting paid for their sharecropping, basically. Right.
0: I mean, it was a big part of the Dust Bowl is the early stock market shit that was going on.
1: Yeah. So that's a big storyline. And he's really upset about the injustice in it. And so um, there's a teenage girl, the woman's daughter has a lot of like awakening moments and she's kind of rebelling against her mother and, you know, she's ultimately convinces her mother that they have to fight for better wages or nothing's ever going to get any better. And I'll say it ends very sadly. It does not end in a happy not a happy ending but it's really good. Really good book. I felt like she did a really good job with it. cool. Okay. Yeah. Now we're on to The Rules of Magic by Alice Hoffman. And Alice Hoffman wrote Practical Magic, which a lot of people know from the movie, which has Sandra Bullock and um, Nicole Kidman.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that until like within a year ago.
1: Yeah. So, Practical Magic, yeah. And the rules of magic is a prequel so in practical magic you see the ants um that the girls go and stay with so the rules of magic is the storyline of the ants and so it takes you um back in time a little bit to um i can't remember exactly. it looks like
0: hippie as shit like 60s. yeah like the
1: 60s um and you learn that the Owens family has been cursed since, you know, the early sixteen hundreds, that whoever they love will be doomed to die. So you have three siblings, two sisters, and a brother who are basically trying to fight that curse.
0: I mean, everyone has that curse. Yeah. Everyone who loves anyone and dies. And that's
1: kind of the ultimate theme, like the lesson <laughs> in the story. Uh, let's see. Um, They're kind of trying to take it to literally or not literally enough. They're interpreting it in ways that make it seem like more tragic than it really is. I see. But um, I like this one better than Practical Magic, I felt like. I guess maybe because it was a a period piece. Yeah. Yeah, I like historical pieces, so... Um, I did think it was good. Um it I'm does sure
0: whoever has the streaming rights to that other movie, I'm sure will try to make that.
1: Yeah. And a lot of people love the movie Practical Magic. So if it becomes a movie, people are gonna flip out. Even though the book's been around since like two thousand and sixteen or seventeen, something like that.
0: Yeah, but right now is a gold rush for content.
1: Okay. The last story of Mina Lee by Nancy Ju-yun Kim. I'm sorry if I mispronounced her name. Um this is a contemporary fiction about a mother and daughter. The mother is Mina and the daughter is Margot and the story opens up with the daughter Margot trying to get in touch with her mother. She's been calling her The mother's not answering. Um, The daughter lives in, I believe, like Seattle or something, and her mother lives in California. So she decides that she's going to have to go to California to check on her mom. Like, what else can you do? So she and one of her friends take a trip to California to LA. Her mother lives in Koreatown in the same apartment that Mina grew up in, or I'm sorry, that Margo grew up in. And when they get there, Mina is dead. So, Margot is naturally upset by all of this and she's trying to discover, you know, what could have happened. It seems a little suspicious how she died, and nobody really wants to help her uncover it. And so, it's her personal journey of going through her mother's things and trying to piece together some clues about her mother's story. And it turns out that Mina kept a lot of secrets. So it's just kind of like a, um, I didn't really like uh, Margot at first. I thought she was very mean to her mother and um, maybe her mother was kind of cold and kept her at arm's reach, but I really could not relate to how she related to her mother, like their relationship. But by the end of the story, I felt like Margot appreciated her mother more. And so I liked that. Right on. So, yeah, her mother was um, like an orphan and she was an immigrant, an illegal immigrant who lost her first family. And then she ends up pregnant, raising a daughter by herself. And it's kind of just her trying to survive in California.
0: Right. Yeah, what's next?
1: OK, I need a quick drink. <laughs> OK. The Last uh, last Summer at the Golden Hotel is a novel by Alyssa uh, Friedland. And it is a mix of Dirty Dancing meets Marvelous Mrs. Maisel yeah. and also Schitt's Creek. Like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season two, specifically when they're at the Catskills. Yeah. And then um, it also kind of has Schitt's Creek vibes because they're... Hotels really run down. That this family own it's two families, the Goldmans and the Wine Golds, and they own the Golden Golden Hotel together. And um, it's located in the Catskills, which was like I guess I've it was like a, Jewish
0: summer camp. Yeah,
1: it was a big deal but for like
0: everyone, adults, kids, from the whole community,
1: the sixties through. Like, the 80s. Like it was, like, a really big deal. They lived in New
0: York would take off and go to upstate New York, where this place was, and it was like, they just didn't work for a month.
1: Yeah. While or they long. Were. I mean, like, the season lasted for months, and some people would come up just on the weekends, but other people would rent cabins and stay. Well, and
0: I think a big part, at least in the way they make it look at Mrs. Maisel, is they just gave their kids to like counselors right? and then like someone was watching their kids it was all like summer. summer
1: camp for the whole family. Yeah. And there were games. Sounds
0: great. We should bring it back.
1: Yeah. It's, it's very retro. It could probably come back, but it would be stupid expensive and That's we true. wouldn't be able to afford yeah,
0: it. Yeah. We're not rich white people,
1: but um, basically the hotel has not been doing well. And um, there's been an offer from a casino uh, to buy the land and they're going to tear down the hotel and build a casino. And they have to decide if they want to sell or if they're going to try to stick it out and improve. And so you have the generations coming together, the young kids who want to add things like goat yoga and, um, you know.
0: Dumb shit, right? Right.
1: And then the older generation who's like, can't we just have bingo nights? <laughs> so um, it was supposed to be more humorous than I think it really was. For me, it didn't come across as funny. I mean, when you pitch it, shits creek.
0: That's like your favorite, one of your favorite shows. Yeah,
1: I feel like I should be laughing a lot more than I really was, but I thought it was good. I like the summer vibes. I like the vintage Catskills, like especially when they like would reminisce on the nostalgia of the 60s i liked those bits a lot right um and i'm glad i learned a little bit more about the cat skills i think it seems like a um interesting time in american history yeah. okay we're getting near the end this tender land by william kent kruger i have not read um William Kent Krueger before but he has a prior not a previous novel called um Ordinary Grace that was a really big deal and apparently I should have read that one first they're not actually connected but anyway um this Tenderland is kind of like a modern day not really a modern day it's set in the 30s 1930s but an updated version of Huck Finn it follows this young boy who was orphaned. He is a white boy, but when he died, he ended up, or when his parents died, he ended up, him and his brother, at a home for Native American children, where they basically tried to recondition them to be white Christians. Right. Um, so they're treated horribly at this orphanage, and him and his brother and one of their friends agrees that they're going to run away and along the way this other character joins them her name it's a young girl um and so the four kids are kind of on the run and they're following the river and it's just the different people they meet along the way there's a um revivalist or a evangelist revivalist group that they run into who's actually very kind to them um and so it has a lot of like the american fabric of the 1930s in this story um a lot of relig uh focus on religion and faith and what it what does it mean exactly there was a surprising twist at the end that had gave it a little bit of a fantasy element that right. I wasn't expecting uh, it's a, a spiritual element i guess you could say um, but it was really good. It's one of those where, um, I think it would be considered a modern classic, you know, in a hundred years, people might look back on this book and be like, How great it was! This novel, but I don't know, it was good. I a lot am. of people love it. I think, um, if you like history and if you're an American history buff, like you would really appreciate this book. So it had a lot of to do with how the Native Americans were treated too and
0: <clears throat> Right.
1: The I mean yeah, the we're states. more aware
0: of that stuff because of the state we live in. Yeah. Um like, same
1: with like the Christian Hannes book and the Dust Bowl. Like a lot of none of that was really new to me.
0: Right, because where we're at.
1: So but I could see a lot of people learning a lot.
0: Yeah. I mean, I worked with a guy in college who was like a non-traditional student, like a 70 year old guy going back to school. And he was an old Native American. And he wasn't 70. He was probably 50 or 60. But he grew up in one of those schools. And he was like anti-Native American as a Native American. You know, he was like, I don't believe in powwows. And I don't worship no fake smoke gods." He'd get all weird when I was him about, you know, powwow. Right. <laughs> he would be like all fucking against it. And I'd be like, oh. And I explained to powwow, I was like, oh, you don't know? but And, and powwow explained to me. His, his grandma went through all that as well. Of like, oh, yeah, there is a whole generation that were told like. Converted. Yeah, they were like. Told that the, they can't do any of the native stuff. So,
1: yeah, brainwashed basically. Okay, so the last book is called The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. And
0: you have the word last in a lot of things.
1: I noticed that the other day when I was looking at them.
0: Because earlier I was like, whenever, where the seven. first ones? Like, it'd been fun if that was the last book you read (laughs) but they they kept that word last anyway
1: well it happened um this is a is pitched as a thriller i've what i've learned in the last few years is anything that's pitched as a thriller doesn't really read as a thriller usually well
0: it could be like a few different things yeah i think a lot of people just throw thriller on uh there's a lot of different genres. I don't know exactly what they would be, but like even movie wise, someone says something's like, a thriller and you're a like, what's mystery, a Right.
1: Not really a thriller, but anyway, it opens up with a woman who has married a man and she's the stepmom to his teenage daughter. And one day he just doesn't come home and he sends a note with a w- random student of, that goes to school with his daughter saying protect her and that's the last thing he said. I'll just tell you. Um protect her. And so she is trying to figure out why her husband has gone missing and also trying to protect her stepdaughter. And um so that's just kind of immediately where the story starts. So I guess that's what's supposed to be thrilling about it. But um Quickly, you learn that the husband left because the business that he works for has uh, been in trouble with, like, kind of remind me of some Silicon Valley type stuff where they keep pitching that they have money, but they don't really have money. Right. Like
0: the woman with the blood machine thing.
1: Yeah. Where there was like, they go to a
0: meeting and they're like, no, we have this great technology. We just need backing. And they give them money. And it's, but it's like, it's uh, what they call it, vaporware. Yes.
1: Yeah. So her husband is connected with some fraudulent activity of this tech firm or whatever. And so the natural assumption is that he's on the run because he doesn't want to go to, to jail for
0: whatever fraud. Yeah.
1: But quickly you learn that there's more to it than you think. And it ends up with her and her stepdaughter traveling to Austin, Texas to try to connect some of uh, the dots of her husband's past. It turns out that he had a different name at one point. Um, You learn more about his first marriage and kind of um, who the daughter's mother really was, you know, just stuff like that. So it was a mystery thriller. It was like one of Reese Witherspoon's recent book club picks, Um, but it kind of fell flat for me. I just don't think... Anything that's calling itself a thriller probably isn't going to be as thrilling as I think it should be. Right. I don't know. Maybe horror is what I have in my mind is thriller because the last horror book I read wasn't even really that scary.
0: Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I'd have to like look at a list of movies of thrillers and be like, that's what I would think of because there are certain movies. I'm like, yeah, because you're watching your heart's pumping. You're like, what's going to happen? You know, but. Um, And you're not living in fear like there's going to be jump scares because that's more of like horror and shit to me is like, it, th- no, a thriller isn't trying to scare you necessarily, but it might be like that main character is in and in for it. And then the music starts picking up. Yeah. It's like I've
1: never read a good thriller or <laughs> really good horror. So if you have some like legitimately good thrillers or horrors, let me know.
0: Uh, Not me. I ain't trying to read no horror movies, horror books.
1: I've picked up several that people are like, those are supposed to be the scariest books of all time. Like The Haunting of Hill House. Boring. Boring, boring. Home After Dark by Riley Sager. That was like the horror book of last year. Boring. I really enjoyed Mexican Gothic, which was pitched as a horror. But to me, it just read as a gothic, which is in the title. Right. So I don't know why they called it a horror when it clearly says gothic.
0: Well, they had a very active two months. You got to keep up your pace.
1: No, I'm probably not going to keep up this pace. My goal was 36 books and I knew I needed to get a bunch read like now. So if I wanted to keep that pace, uh, keep that goal, because I'm about to get really busy with stuff at work and I know that I'm probably not going to read much. Right. In August, I might get a couple. I won't do as well in July. I'll get some. Um, But August will slow down and September will slow down. a lot.
0: Well, awesome. All right. What else do we got to talk about? TV shows?
1: Yes. If we still have time. Yeah. If, why not? Okay. Let me get my list.
0: We, I will say in general, we haven't watched much TV um, because I've been still in the TV to play video games. And so over the last two months, I feel, I mean, it's basically rewatching stuff.
1: Right. I've only can think of a couple of new things. One of which was an HBO show called Mayor of Easttown. Yep. It was a um, Nicole Kid. No, no, no. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet starred in that. And the guy was from.
0: There wasn't a main guy.
1: Uh-huh. The detective oh. guy that she worked
0: with. Oh, uh, yeah. He's from American Horror Story and a couple other things. Yeah.
1: He had a recognizable face. Yeah. yeah. Um, But anyway, there's. In the storyline, she's um, a detective under you know
0: the the setups. Honestly, very bland and generic. If you watch streaming shows, in my opinion, it's like there's a murder and there's a detective cop who probably drinks a little bit and yeah, she's relationships. An like we've just watched a lot a lot of English versions of this. It seems like or things kind of close. Yeah, um, but it was entertaining. I mean,
1: I really like um, Kate Winslet or whatever her name is.
0: I listened to Bill Simmons podcast, and he kept hopping this up every week because he really liked it, too, and he, he would just, like, go off, and I'm like, it's okay, I don't know, so I, that's why I'm probably a little biased against it, because I just heard someone love it on this podcast, right. I listen to it, and I'm like, it's not all that, and he's like, and she wasn't a basketball player, I'm like, that's not even fucking relevant to the store, and like, he was, like, always bringing up <laughs> yeah, shit. They do, she,
1: that's, like, one scene. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> She's just
1: popular, people know her, is really all you... Get right them. and
0: people are talking about uh, them doing a second season i'm like i don't think they should this is exact same thing with like was that big little lies or whatever it was where it was yeah. like this doesn't need a second season it's just not it's not what it's made for um right so i wish people had a little just more leave
1: them as a limited series
0: yeah courage in that uh what else have we watched
1: um we didn't watch it together but i watched halston Uh, which is about the fashion designer Halston. Yeah, um, you watch
0: it with your grandmother, right?
1: Yes, which was an interesting pick for my weekend at Granny's, but (laughs) it was good. He was a big iconic fashion designer in the 80s, I think is what it was. A lot of gay
0: scenes with grandma, right?
1: Yes, um, it was very explicit, and she did comment that that was not necessarily um, relevant to his fashion career. (laughs) but it was good it was has Ewan McGregor if he was
0: straight though and they had a sex scene that wouldn't have been relevant either
1: right she would have have felt the same way about that right she would have she doesn't like any of that stuff it's not necessary she also doesn't really like bad language and he did cuss a lot right (laughs) um but it was good I think Ewan McGregor plays Halston but I could be mixing up my actors but he did a really good job
0: you sure it's not Jude Law
1: Maybe it's Jude I used to Law. get them
0: too confused a lot.
1: I feel like it's Ewan McGregor, but it could be Jude Law. Which one has the mole on the cheek? <laughs>
0: I don't fucking know. I just know Ewan McGregor is in from, Star Wars. I think
1: it was the one from Mulan. Or not Mulan. Mulan Rouge.
0: Again, you're, I mean, that's... You list two movies I don't really watch. One's an animated movie, so I wouldn't have a clue. Mulan
1: is not what I meant to
0: say. <laughs> Mulan it Rouge, just sounds
1: I, like Mulan Rouge. I
0: watched once as a kid, but I don't really know it. But, um... Anyway, people, if y'all care, can look it up. Um, uh, what else you watched?
1: The Wire.
0: Yeah, I finally got you to watch The Wire. We made it to the first season.
1: First season's great. So we started season two though, and it's harder to get into.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've always said that season two is my least favorite, and I, I don't know if I'm being like a weird racist because there's too many white people, and I'm like, I don't like it. All these white people. Well, you but. just
1: get. I think it would have been. It didn't matter what they switched to. Just the fact that they switched is right. unnerving because yeah. you're like, oh, I got so invested in.
0: Well, and I mean, what it does, and it makes it.
1: All that or
0: whatever. You, you learn it as you go through the seasons, is that like every season's its own thing. No one's safe. And they go, instead of like a normal TV show after the success of. The crew in season one, they would be like, all right, all the cops stay together and now they're heroes. But instead, you know, they get broken up right. and all punished. And so, like, it just doesn't go the way you would want to as a viewer, but it is probably more realistic.
1: And there are some characters you're just not even following anymore.
0: Right. Cause they're just nowhere to be found. Right. And they might come back later. And
1: maybe at this point, they haven't. There's only been like one, it's just McNulty and the, well, the McT- McNulty and the main detective. There's a
0: few, about half of them actually. Um, because there's the white guy who sucked and then it gets good and then
1: What's he doing now? Anyway, we can talk about it later. Yeah, he's
0: leading the main shit. But anyway. Um so the wire season two is gonna be a struggle to get through, but we will eventually. Um and then you have the flower show next.
1: I watched uh or we started a new show called Full Blue. Excuse me. It started raining here and it made me sleepy. Okay. Yeah. Um our anniversary was the twenty fourth. Correct. And it was our four year wedding anniversary. And Which is the
0: one of flowers.
1: Flowers. So trying to be cute, we started in full bloom on theme.
0: Yeah. And so we we're it's fans cute. of reality like shows it. though. I like it. um, you know, I talked to Soko recently on the podcast and he's like not a big fan of reality shows, you know, and I'm like, to me and there's two different types of reality shows. There's hanging out with people's life and you're following them all the time. I don't give I don't care yeah, about a Kardashian or a Vanderpump rules. That's not my thing. But if it's a competition, and at the end of every week they have a head-to-head contest, and then judges vote, like you're the worst at this skill, mm-hmm. I'm like, we're all about that. Like, it
1: started with face-off. I think was the maybe the that first. and Ink
0: Master are pretty. They were with each other. Yeah, I, I liked I, Ink Master. You liked face. Off. I really
1: liked face-off because they were still nice to each other.
0: Right, Ink Master, they're mean. Um, and then yeah, slowly that's taken over a little bit more, where that's a more. Common I will thing.
1: say, Full Bloom has great British. Baking, fi- yeah. ba- great British baking mm-hmm. vibes. And
0: um, the the black judge dude kind of got on my nerves at first because he's like so extra. But I've come around to a lot. <laughs> I, I think he's really funny now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know
1: any of the host's name because they're just famous. And the English lives, guy kills
0: it on some alliterations.
1: Yeah, he has some good lines. Um, but it's been a fun one. I think we have a few. Like, four more episodes or so of that. So we haven't finished it, but it's, right. it's been a good one um, to watch like an episode here and there. Um, I watched the movie in the Heights. You came in, I think near the end and basically it was a practice just for Hamilton. Like it's not a whole, I mean, the, of course the storyline's different, but well,
0: it's Lynn when- it's Miranda, Manuel, Miranda. I always forget which one comes 1st Lynn
1: Lin-Manuel Miranda,
0: I think. Uh, you know, he made Hamilton. And then this was pitched as who wants to buy the Ratsu, his other play to be as a movie. And he made a bunch of money off of it. So good for him. Um, but there are, if you're musically inclined, I mean, even I, mean, I think you like music, but you listen to it like, oh, you can hear a lot of the flows and cadences and stuff from Hamilton here. Uh, well,
1: he wrote In the Heights first. Right. So and you can so see
0: that like the he, progress the as he was
1: writing Hamilton, he leaned, I think, a lot on now, the same.
0: What I got hung up on and I shouldn't even go here. I'm going to anyway, is that like in plays and stuff for the last decade or so, it's been like this movement of like it doesn't matter your race for this part. You know, you can have like an Asian mom and a black dad and a Indian kid and. We're all pretending because it's a play, right? Like that's been like a really big push or what I don't remember what the exact term is. Um, And then in this movie, based on a play in the Heights, they cast people and people were like, no, they are not the right color. We need different diversity. And then it became like a huge, you know, huge story about the casting of right. this movie, way more so than the actual songs or the movie itself. It was like these they're not dark enough of this minority, um, which is like. To me, a perfect example of like the quote unquote media, not saying it's like an actual person, but like if it's going to get you to click on an article on the Internet and get pissed about something, there's always going to be division among anything. Like They're just going to someone's going to find a way.
1: I believe the focus is on the Dominican heritage, that they felt like it was underrepresented, but I could be incorrect. Could be. But I didn't ever read any of those articles. I did see the headlines about how In the Heights was. In trouble or whatever. Right.
0: I think because I'm a little more active on Twitter, I just see where people get like, they get more worked up on Twitter. Right? Like everything's like an affront to their person. I don't know. <laughs> like, they just, everyone seems to take everything more personally on Twitter. Um,
1: I, I think Hamilton's better, but yeah, it was good. Um, and then, yeah, we've just been re watching a few things. Um, for me, my go to is friends lately. Yeah. And I am realizing some of the controversy around friends, but I think right. that, it's been
0: called out because it's a little homophobic
1: and there are definitely moments where it has homophobic, like they rely on the gay community for their punchlines.
0: Right. Well, there's been a couple of examples. We've looked at it um, where I heard one gay podcaster that I listened to say like people are being a little too hard on friends for this because friends for that time period was super progressive and wouldn't have had half of the stuff friends had on TV that, you know, they helped get to where we're at now, but then when you look back on it, maybe it looks bad, but They were like a stepping stone needed, quote unquote. Right. right? And so.
1: So I do think today, yeah, it is offensive. Right. In the 90s, it was offensive. But to society,
0: it was was progressive. Like sometimes just the whole joke is just you're gay. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you're gay. And then they just laugh. The laugh track goes off and you're like, well, that's not really clever like yeah and I, there was one joke i wish i could remember right now because there was on one episode there was one that was like that didn't hit at all as a gay joke and then there was one right after that i was like that's still funny today like because the joke's was good it enough
1: rachel and her assistant tag
0: yeah some about rachel's thing like made it way more like, i was like you could pull that off today but whenever it's just three guys you know ross chandler and uh, J- uh joey, joey calling each other gay you're like yeah that's not Or like there's enough. a whole <laughs>
1: episode where chandler <laughs> kissed a transgender woman.
0: Well, it's just a story. Yeah, they didn't even show it. They just tell the story. And then the whole time we're like, you kissed a dude. Yeah. You know, and that's like the whole joke. And uh, even in that story, I guess I'm in today's time I'm like, well, Chandler thought it was a woman. Like, if that happened a Dana show, you'd be like, oh, yeah, well, good job. Good dress job by, you know, her makeup.
1: So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It was, uh, but I, I still enjoy it. It's right. It's got, I I'm, think Phoebe's hilarious. She's definitely yeah. ages the best, I think.
0: Well, Phoebe and Chandler are both great. And I think Joey, honestly, I mean, he's a little sexist, but he's still aged pretty well.
1: He's very sexist. All- he compares women to food all the time.
0: Yeah. I will say, actually, the only people I dislike are Ross. And then Rachel's <laughs> a half half the time I'm Like I don't like Rachel and the half. The time I'm like, oh, she's still pretty Rachel's
1: funny. fine when she's with Joey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It depends who you live. But Ross really ruins the show. Um, but I'm glad we watched it because Friends is one of those shows that gets shitted on a lot as being just like a lame... Uh, sitcom that only boring people like, whatever. And I'm like, I like a lot of great comedy shows. So, like, I think I have a pretty good taste in it. Mm-hmm. But, like, you can sit and watch, and Friends has a few jokes, so you'll laugh. Like, there's times I don't want to laugh because I'm like, it is dumb. But then they like, Joey says something, and then, like, you can't not. You're like, yeah. that's pretty, pretty good little joke there. So it's just that old school style, you know, that multi style. And that.
1: we haven't watched The Reunion yet, but
0: we will eventually once we'll we get, get there. there. Yeah. And then I've been rewatching Crashing. um, I'm almost done with it, so it's only three seasons if anyone out there has HBO and you're uh, curious. It's Pete Holmes and his journey to becoming a stand-up, and it's uh, unique, his journey, but also, I think, very typical for stand-ups in New York, from what I understand from other stands that have talked about. It, of, like He basically made the show for New York stand-ups of how you do it. It's just his whole, his wife cheated on him and that's how he mm-hmm. starts off, you know, and he goes from this, like, super christian guy, and he still is, I think, by the end. I don't think he turns too atheist, but he he definitely starts drinking a little bit, smoking a little pot, doing it. Like he questions
1: a, why he was act, like...
0: Right, but he grew up very, very religious. You can tell anyone's like a Christian college. he followed college. all these
1: rules. Like, and what was the purpose? Him and his
0: wife married out of the Christian college because you had to, and then she finds herself with a wondering eye. She has eye. a
1: sexual awakening.
0: Yeah, and anyway, it's it's really good. And his I enjoy stand-up shows. Like It's, it's just good. my It's my weak spot. If, so if show's about stand-up, I'm like, that's why I want to watch a hack show. And I don't even like the actresses that Yeah, I are keep in the forgetting pictures, about that one. But I'm like, I like Up.
1: And then Mrs. Maisel comes back soon, so that'll be good.
0: Yeah, love Mrs. Maisel. Um, and then today we signed up for Paramount Plus because uh, Big Brother comes back very soon. Big Brother is the all-time greatest reality show. And um, I recommend people out there checking it out. It
1: It's the all-time greatest because it had so many years where it was strong. But right. since I've started watching it, you will say it has gone downhill.
0: There's like... Since you've watched it, there's maybe two or three seasons that have been like, those were good. And I'd say you've been watching, what, 10 years now?
1: We've been together about, a, we've been friends together for about 11 years.
0: Yeah. And I'd say we've been together for like 10. Yeah. And uh so, I would say in the 10, we'll say 10 seasons you've watched, I would say like three are good, two are okay, and the rest have been like, fuck, this, I wish it was better. <laughs> you know, and like, uh, and I the Ian year is the best, you know, because uh, the guy I chose the first episode one, and that's a big deal when you're watching. You're like, yes, you feel good about it. Um, the one that had the Asian guy from Wichita Falls,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that season, I remember being really good. The
1: cowboy guy but not really and, it, and these are
0: all around each other. They had the car- cow- karate cowboy. Yeah. It might have been the same season as James, I don't remember. But like, they used to have some fun characters, and then they had that one blonde girl who said some racist shit, and then after that, they got like, we're gonna get some people on here that aren't gonna say some crazy shit. And then it kind of, think, toned it down a little bit.
1: Yeah. But um, I, I think we both agree that they focus a lot on getting attractive, fit people. When they, sh- It's better when they just have regular people. Right.
0: I agree. And, so. and the show also in the last couple of years, they have put more money into their competitions, which makes them cool. But then that's now all they care about. It's like if there's a competition, that's the whole episode. You used to get a lot of like, what's some whispering and gossiping yeah, juicy
1: shit. stuff that was happening. Like- and there's
0: no showmances hardly anymore. People don't want... Don't go in with that. Or, you know. At least not like it used to be. Um, but anyway, I have Paramount Plus, we can go back and rewatch all the old Big Brothers. Um, and
1: we just started a recent season of Amazing Race.
0: Yeah. So I would say Paramount Plus, for people that don't know, it has CBS's stuff, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian Channel.
1: Yeah. Some I don't part, think it had Com- Or not Cartoon Network. Comedy Central. Yeah,
0: Comedy Central. And I, so I, got, I like Comedy Central, so I have to go through there and do some stuff. Uh, but it has a lot of reality shows. So if you are a reality show fan... Um, or want to get into it, it's probably a good one to check out. Um. So anyway, and it's only $5 a month for the basic one, and then $10 if you want no ads and live TV shit, which we might do now I'm thinking about it for Big Brother. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, anything else? Nope. Alright, well, um, we'll see. I'll make you, I'll leave you guessing if you're here in a month or two.
1: Yeah, we don't know. I'll be back, I'm sure, before the end of the year.
0: Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, peace. Bye. Beats.